0: Chapter Three of Part Two of the Lives of the Three Mrs. Judsons by Arabella M. Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: Account of George Dana Boardman. We need offer no apology for turning aside from the immediate subject of our narrative, in order to introduce to our readers one who must henceforth share with our sympathy and our affection. We mean George Dana Boardman. THE SUCCESSOR TO COLEMAN SPOKEN OF IN THE LAST CHAPTER He was the son of a Baptist clergyman in Livermore, Maine, and was born in 1801. Though feeble in body, he had an ardent thirst for knowledge, which often made him conceal illness for fear of being detained from school. At a suitable age he was sent to an academy in North Yarmouth, where he became distinguished for ardor in the pursuit of learning and fine mental powers it is related that he went through the latin grammar with surprising rapidity and then expected to be allowed to use the lexicon but was told he must go through the grammar once or twice more disappointed he returned to his seat and in an hour or two was called up to recite when he repeated verbatim sixteen pages of the grammar his preceptor inquired if he had got more he answered yes and on being asked how much replied i can recite the whole book sir if you wish he afterwards manifested equal power in mathematics at sixteen he engaged in school teaching in order to obtain means for a collegiate course the great object of his ambition and in this employment he manifested a knowledge of human nature and of the influence of which to control it truly wonderful the most turbulent and disorderly schools became in his hands models of system and regularity in eighteen nineteen when eighteen years old he entered waterville college maine he was at this time a youth of good principles inflexible purpose strong affections and independent opinions but had hitherto given no evidence of piety but in this institution his thoughts were directed by a variety of circumstances to a consideration of the vast and important topics of evangelical religion his roommate was a very pious and most warm-hearted man the officers of the college did all in their power to elevate his thoughts and affections. In short, every external influence with which a young man could be surrounded was calculated to lead his mind heavenward. Under the operation of these causes he was, by the Spirit of God, induced to concentrate himself, soul, body, and spirit, to religion. In 1820 he made a public profession of his belief and was baptized. From his letters and journals we find that he soon turned his thoughts to the subject of missions. In the winter of 1820, he says, The thought occurred to me that I could take my Bible and travel through new settlements where the gospel was seldom or never heard, and, without sustaining the name of a preacher, could visit from hut to hut and tell the story of Jesus' dying love. Then, in imagination, I could welcome fatigue, hunger, cold, solitude, sickness, and death if i could only win a few cottages to my beloved saviour when the news of the death of mr judson's fellow missionary coleman reached america his soul was filled with a desire to supply the place of that beloved labourer in the burman field still his chief aim was to leave the place of his labours entirely to the guidance of providence on graduating at college he accepted the office of tutor in it for one year and so great was the promise of his future eminence that the good president predicted that he would at a future day preside over the institution but his heart was fixed on other labor and as soon as his engagement was completed he hastened to offer his services to the board of foreign missions and was at once accepted as a missionary the parting scene between boardman and his religious friends in waterville who had assembled to bid him farewell is said by one present on that occasion have been exceedingly touching the eye of boardman was alone undimmed by a tear in a tender and yet unfaltering tone he addressed a few words to his brethren we all knelt down in prayer together for the last time on arising boardman passed round the room and gave to each his hand for the last time his countenance was serene his mild blue eyes beamed with benignity and though there was in his manner a tenderness which showed he had a heart to feel yet there was no visible emotion till he came to his room-mate. As he took him by the hand, his whole frame became convulsed, his eyes filled, and the tears fell fast, as if the tender feelings of his spirit, till now imprisoned, had at this moment broken forth farewell, he faltered, and then, smiling through his tears, said as he left the room, We shall meet again in heaven. He had expected immediately to leave America for Burma, in the same ship which was to take mrs Jetson back to that country but the board decided to detain him some time in this country for further preparation in june eighteen twenty three he entered on theological studies in the seminary at andover and employed all his leisure hours in reading those books in the library which treated of the manners customs and religions of heathen countries in the spring of eighteen twenty five he was called to bid his country farewell natural affection was strong, but the call of duty was stronger still. In a letter he says, If tenderness of feeling, if ardor of affection, if attachment to friends, to Christian society and Christian privileges, if apprehension of toil and danger in a missionary life, if an overwhelming sense of responsibility could detain me in America, I should never go to Burma. And in his journal, Welcome Separations and Farewells, welcome tears welcome last sad embraces welcome pangs and griefs only let me go where my saviour calls and goes himself welcome toils disappointments fatigues and sorrows welcome an early grave it is easy to imagine that the sympathy and affection between two souls constituted like miss hall's and mr boardman's both of whom were warmed by the same zeal for the cause of christ and the welfare of the heathen would be unusually strong, and, indeed, there is every evidence that from the time they became fully acquainted the most tender attachment subsisted between them. You know, she wrote, long afterward to her mother, how tenderly I love him, and to an intimate friend he said in a private conversation, it was not the superiority of her personal charms, though these were by no means small, but it was her intrinsic excellency heightened by her modest, unobtrusive spirit, that endeared her to my heart. End of chapter 3